Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Saturday Coffee Morning. It's the newspapers. Welcome if you're listening on podcast or if you're on Spotify. I was listening to Spotify last night and then my AirPod ran out, which was really annoying. Um, how are we all? It's an incredibly fresh, autumnal, crisp, sunny morning here in London. Is it the same where you are? It's... Um, there's just that sort of edge of coolness. I love it. I wear t-shirts in it. I want to just be a slightly cold. I prefer being slightly cold to extremely hot. Absolutely love it. Morning, Ninad. I hope you're well. Uh, Bonnie Delaney, good morning. For those of you listening, I'm saying good morning to everyone on the live feed. Um, this is our chance to chew through the newspapers, to for you not to have to head to your local corner shop and buy them or look at them or flick at them. Obviously, newspapers, the physical things, are slightly behind the news flow, if not quite a bit of uh, online news gathering websites. So uh, often the news has kind of moved on considerably from where the papers have us. Um, it's literally like an addiction. Okay, so let's, let's, let's have a look at the front of the papers. It, this, is, this is the Telegraph. Obviously, they're all leading with the Israel-Palestine uh, crisis. Israel sends in forces as it warns of powerful offensive. Um, this is obviously, you know, elite elite forces are going into, into Gaza. Uh, we talked about yesterday the fact that the Israeli forces have encouraged, encouraged uh, or advised 1.1 million civilians, principally children, um, uh, to uh, basically move to the south of the country, something that the UN has said is utterly untenable. So really, as we kind of knew this whole conflict would, it's got to the point now of what's proportionate, what's not proportionate, what's the right way to for, for Israel to send a sort of message to Hamas that this has to be different. Uh, you know, we've talked, we've we've really sought to to to, to not tiptoe because actually. You know, what our biggest concern for and our biggest priority for us personally as a family with, you know, relatives and friends in the region and many people who are affected by this is that you want civilians on both sides of the uh, equation to be safe, to be thought about and to be given a total equivalence. I think we have to really step back from a dangerous, dangerous um uh, sort of trend, I would say, of almost slightly warmongery, where we in any way get to a place where we justify an equivalent harsh punishment to a civilian population. We justify that based on the awfulness of something that's just happened. If we get into that kind of game, um, Ironically, I think what Israel has to be careful about here is that they don't end up falling down the same warren hole or wormhole that, you know, everyone, most people in the world would say Hamas are already in, which is, yes, they have caused terror. They are, are um, a terrorist organization to most countries in the world. They have committed acts of terror. Um, they do not represent all of the Gazans. And so to punish so many people, I think we're in a dangerous territory here where I think Western leaders, I said yesterday how we have to really have compassion and understanding for Israel in that as the uh, victims of an acute recent attack, 
let's let's draw the equivalence with 9-11. It makes sense that there is a moment of trauma, steadying, shock, what the hell to do. But really, it is the job of the rest of the world to absolutely calm the situation down. And I have to confess, I don't think that's happened. And I also think that, um, you know, the next steps in this in this crisis uh, are going to be crucial, are going to be crucial in terms of how the West manage what could become and has is already becoming one of the biggest civilian, potentially civilian tragedies sanctioned as a kind of, you know, uh, 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 national move by Israel. I mean, it's really important that we understand that Israel has the right to defend itself, it has the right to respond, but there has to be some kind of proportionality. We can't start to draw an equivalence between because that happened, this can happen. Because that happened, this can happen. We just can't do that. If we get into that kind of equation, I was saying yesterday, we're getting into the ludicrous scenario now where we're beginning to try and draw a distinction between the way in which one child has been killed and the way another child's been killed. You know, a dead child to the parents is a dead child. And it's, they're of equal value. They're of equal value. So, um, you know, we are literally on the cusp of, and I think the reason there's a hesitancy to the way Israel are going, in, are going in on this. I mean, it feels like they've been saying for the last 48 hours that in 24 hours they're going to go in. There's been warning after warning. Um, they are striking already. Uh, special, special ops are already in there. You know, you only have to look at the imagery coming out of there. I will, I, I'm going to remind us why the BBC isn't using the term terrorist. It's an important one. You have to have some capacity to report from within Gaza. You have to. You have to. So before everyone gets too hot under the collar about why the BBC are being all BBC about it, they will have reporters in there. And whether we like it or not, sometimes there have to be some kind of compromises around the language they use in order to get access to important, important uh, reporting. This is something that no one's really talked about. There are countless BBC and other, other news gathering journalists out there for whom their lives would be in danger if they were to mark the Hamas organization as terrorist where they are, if they were to describe it as that. It's semantics. It's an opportunity to kind of get, get, get cross at the BBC, I think. I just want to say something else that we've said a lot over the week, which is we're talking about 2 million people in Gaza, 50% of which are under 15, right? There's no electricity, there's no water, there's no food. And they are being asked to evacuate. And the Norwegian, there was a great, brilliant guy today on Radio 4, he's the head of the Norwegian Refugee Council. Mm. He said, it is impossible to evacuate that many people. What we're actually doing is displacing them. And it is vital that we are not literally watching a humanitarian crisis where a people are being punished, punished, brutally punished for something they didn't even know was going to happen. You know, we've got to separate what Hamas did and innocent, innocent Palestinians. We've got to separate... Israeli government policy from innocent Israelis. Natasha Milton, just, just talk- I know nothing. I can't get into the detail of politics. Just as a human being, my you, heart Natasha. aches. My mm. heart is aching when you see the images of, you know, these these people. Just there's nowhere for them to run. A Palestinian friend of Reese's has told me how Instagram is shadow banning her profile, removing a story she's been sharing on Instagram regarding the Palestinian issues in Gaza. 
all life is all life is 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 look imagine now the hospitals have no electricity and no water what do we actually feel about that take the rage take the blame how do we feel imagine that imagine it we can't we can't just stand by and let, and not say a thing about this you know. A really important thing, like uh, Nick Ferrari yesterday, really sort of, you know, sort of very sort of, you know, self-preening manner said, let's get a little bit, someone phoned in and said, let's look at the history. And he said, no, no, let's absolutely not look at the history. If you want to try and deal with the Palestinian-Israel crisis and not look at the history, you are an absolute moron. Except at the moment, what we have to look at is the dire needs. No, 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 no. But in terms of understanding, yeah. if, you, if you want to, under, yeah, but the, the dire circumstances now, can be affected and corrected by looking at the historical context. And the historical context for both sides of the equation has been extraordinarily challenging, as I would argue, and I've said it many times before, that they have both been manipulated and controlled yeah. by other countries. And, and, the other and countries that are now standing in, in judgment the, yeah. of both sides, the, the Israelis and the, and the Palestinians. But, you know, the thing is, we mustn't forget that that part of the world is so fragile. Mm. It's so fragile. It's a tinderbox, you know. It, 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 this, there has to be now some some understanding. <coughs> we need to just calm down the situation. Mm. Otherwise, we could be heading to something really quite terrifying. Um, it's already terrifying, but something even more terrifying now. So. A lot of the papers yeah. are leading with the story that there are marches in London, a lot of, uh, you know, um, uh, sort of, you know, pro-Palestine. I mean, I think, there's, you know, I think it's really important to say that in order to defend or or represent or argue for Palestine doesn't mean you're anti-Semitic. Just as it, as we were illustrating yesterday, just because you're Israeli doesn't mean you're anti-Arab. It doesn't at all. And I think what gets forgotten in these moments of heated exchange and trauma is that everyone assumes that everyone is one thing on each side. And they're absolutely not. So, yes, there are going to be many protests in London today from the Palestinians. And I think it's really important we don't weaponize the ability of Palestinians to protest based on the appalling actions of Hamas that doesn't represent all of them. We also talked about yesterday about we have to also understand where does extremism come from? A little bit like if the world can understand why Israel is having a strong emotional potentially disproportionate response in its treatment of Palestine now. Likewise, the however unpalatable it is, we can't be surprised that that same extremist behavior or disproportionate show of violence that happened last Saturday happens. If you squeeze people's hopes, dreams, aspirations and abilities to live, they will bite. They will bite, not all. But some, just like not all of Israel agrees with Netanyahu. Thank you, Natasha, for saying that. Not all agrees with the settlements. Not all agrees with this essentially hemming in of an entire population and disallowing them to have control over the basics of water or electricity. You know, it, you know you've got to understand, you know, so on, the, you know, and we've talked a lot about how you've got to give Israel space to feel the punch in the face that they've had. Absolutely. But if the punch in the face for the Palestinians hasn't been so overt and in a moment, but has over a period of time, and look at the statistics, I think something like six and a half thousand Palestinians prior to, the, to this conflict have died since 2006. 
uh, versus 100 and something, I think, in Israel. You know, those stories don't ever hit the papers. You know, you don't see that. It's not as readily available. And I think, you know, it's really, really, really important that, you know, we allow people on both sides to protest. Anything that's anti-Semitic in London today should be absolutely hit down as fast as possible. And that's why there's going to be a huge police presence in London, as as should as should any anti-Muslim sentiment too. Um, so you're yeah, just running through the, the rest of the front of the papers, the front of the mail. Israel's tanks strike into Gaza. You could argue if they've evacuated one half of, of you know, the north of Gaza, why are they, what are they going in to blow up? Well, they're, they're wanting to kind of get, get to grips with the kind of warren of tunnels that, they, that there are and they claim to be lots more of underneath you know that where they kind of smuggling and hiding of kind of ammunitions and stuff like that so that's why they're still doing it an incredibly emotional picture on the front of the guardian there of the relatives and friends of someone who's been taken hostage as they've been having press conferences in israel about the i mean you know your, your just heart just absolutely bleeds for the you know i mean you know it's it's just awful it's just awful um on both sides of the equation, this is a, I just thought this was useful. This is a map of the Gaza Strip. This is a map of, of how this slim piece of land, which uh, Israel is uh, essentially now um, going into. Um, so, uh, uh, Pink Lady, yep, Israel have killed, well, according to Hamas, Israel, Israel have killed some of their own hostages in their retaliation. Um, so, yeah, it's... Uh, Kubra Kea, the news is so one-sided. The Israelis did ask Palestinians to evacuate, but then bombed those who were fleeing. Sickening. I mean, again, the West needs to really be the... I'm not saying no one's being a grown-up here, but, the, if, you know, Palestine and Israel are in the midst of the biggest emotional crisis you could hope for. And this is the moment where everyone else around them has to, if not calm it completely because you can't has to try and take them aside and have their ear you know humanitarian corridors i was listening to someone from the was it the red crescent or one of one of the one of the um you know humanitarian sort of charities yesterday and they have no political bias whatsoever but they they were agog at what can't get through to palestine i mean you you can't you can't potentially you can't potentially destroy, potentially, so many people in response to anything, surely, can you? You can't. You just can't. It, it's, um, this is, uh, Israel has also been accused of already potentially using white phosphorus weapons. Now, white phosphorus is something that isn't, it was, but it isn't illegal to use, but it's a horrendous thing. It, it's a little bit like napalm. Um, it's, it leaves civilians at risk of serious burns. It's a, it's a highly, highly kind of, um, it's legitimate, but it's tightly controlled. So, you know, I mean, you know, they're, they're reaching, they're reaching for some pretty severe tools. Uh, this is an image of, this is an image, this was interesting. This was quite arresting. I thought this is an image of a, um, just an ordinary civilian, in Israel, in Sirot, uh, in southern Israel, which was one of the towns that was under attack, she's gone shopping, and they're carrying, they're, you know, the need to carry rifles simply to go shopping. So you can see how on both sides, it's a tinderbox. It's an absolute tinderbox. Uh, this is, this is, these are images here of Palestinians uh, moving 
as they've been asked to, or it's been recommended um, by by the Israeli forces. Um, and here we have this is the story yesterday of a journalist killed in the Israeli strike near the Lebanon border. Now this 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 is the thing that we want to keep an eye on is what happens between Israel and Lebanon. This is this isn't good. I mean, you know, Issam Abdullah was part of a, a video. He was a videographer. Um, and he's he's been taken out as a Reuters, working for Reuters, a Reuters journalist killed. I mean, you know, unfortunately, when you're in these war zones, journalists do get hit. So this is less about him being targeted. But this is once again, you know, just shows you that this this crisis has the potential to sort of, you know, really, really ignite fast. And, you know, we've got today huge warnings from Iran that if if I mean, Israel are literally kind of on that edge that when they step over, the world is waiting to see what the response will be. Um, so, so yeah, it's just tragic, isn't it, guys? Just tragic. So that, I'm going to move on now. It's Saturday morning. We've done 15 minutes on that. It's, it's irresolvable at the moment. It's obviously going to change. Um, uh, so, yeah, so we're going to move on to some other news now. Um, this, this, is, this is a weird one. This is a weird one. Bus lane trap writes off cars. Has anyone been caught in any of these strange new road settings where if you take a right turn, you can't get out of a neighborhood. And then once you can't get out of a neighborhood, you end up going down a road and they take a photograph of you. Or you go down, you try and get out and your car's destroyed by a strange sort of lump in the road. A bus lane trap trap has written off cars whose wheels are getting stuck and damaged. It's a major deal that this is down in, uh, where is this, in St. Ives in Cambridge. Uh, the pit in the road is wide enough that small vehicles fall into it, but small enough that vehicles with larger diameter wheels can pass. Oh, it's just, you know, as if life isn't hard enough for drivers. Um, ridiculous. Karen Davis, no, don't drive. Um, this is, uh, oh, yeah, look at this. 24 fines for Tory Christmas COVID party. I still, I find this image um, of this couple dancing at the lockdown parties, I can't help but feel it's a piss take. I, I can't believe it. I, a, I can't believe his jumper. B, I can't believe his expression of total unself-awareness. And I mean, just look at it. Look at it. Absolutely staggering. So Scotland Yard has fined 24 people now over the COVID lockdown busting Christmas bash at Tory HQ. And it was the mirror. This is in the mirror. And look, just a total, total disregard. And Dina. A total, just, I can't see you. Dina, who's just here now. I don't know if you saw the Partygate documentary the other day, but Dina's friend was on it, wasn't she, Dina? Yeah. Her daughter died. Um, she was on the day of Partygate. She, her daughter, who was 50, Dina used to teach her daughter, and she was buried on the day that that party was happened. was happening and she said, with nobody there. You know, she her. wanted no grandparents. She didn't want to put anybody at risk before. She didn't, didn't see her grandparents or anything. Mm. You know. Awful. Her daughter, who, Dina's, you know, this, this girl that Dina used to teach, she, she, her mum said, come on, you know, because they knew she was dying. We can have some people around, you know, to see you. Kind of like break the rules. Yeah. No, mum, we can't break the rules. Yeah. I don't want to put people at risk. Can you imagine how that feels for that family? And you see, I, I couldn't believe that video I saw yesterday. I, I was just in shock. Mm. <sighs> and so many other families like that. Yeah, so exactly. thank God they are, it is all coming. So I didn't think we were going to hear any more in, about this, really. Mm. But there's a lot coming out in this um, 
in this, um, whatever they're calling it, what they're calling it, not tribunal, what is it? Inquiry. Inquiry. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I suppose it's that thing of an image that looks quite, something that you could easily pastiche and sort of dismiss as quite funny, you know, as that story that Dina just told, heartbreaking. How's Behind that, feels? absolutely heartbreaking, just horrendous. Yeah. Um, I'm going again. Sorry, sorry. I thought I you were about to, no, involved. no, no. I thought you were about to say something. I was supposed to be over there in the kitchen, but I keep getting involved. Sorry. No, no, no. Get involved. I just didn't know whether no, you were going to say something. Freddie's nine million pound payout for Top Gear car crash. BBC settles after Flintoff's flip horror. I was in the when I bought the papers in the shop. The guy next to me said, "Is it the license fee payer who's paying for that?" The BBC has reached a nine million pound agreement with Freddie Flintoff after his horror crash. This is for allegedly for two years worth of lost lost earnings. Um, massive, Ma massive. Uh, and look at it. You can still see the mark on his face. It's quite something, isn't it? He's had seventeen yeah. operations. Seventeen oh. operations. There you go. Um, Oh, sorry. Gone to pot. Right, let's get into the light stuff. Teapots, tablecloths and cosies are too outdated for the breakfast table. Says who? Says someone. Um, today's breakfast table is more likely to be laden with mugs of tea made with individual bags, coffee, cereal boxes and smartphones. A poll found that 55% rated teapots as the most outdated. I must admit, I must admit, we've bought teapots and we rarely use them. Why don't we use teapots in it? You know why? Laziness. Well, it's not laziness. I also hate, hate heavily stewed tea. It's disgusting. Oh, Absolutely disgusting. It's so strong. <laughs> um, a huge 72% no longer sit down together, opting to grab a bite on the kitchen island. Ah, the kitchen island or the sofa. There you go. 66% um, of those polled had never tried kippers. Um, so there you go. So gone to pot. Does anyone here have a teapot or a tea cozy or anything like that? Um, cut it out. Online kids game encourages girls to have plastic surgery in fantasy clinic. A sick online game aimed at kids uh, offers them the chance to become a plastic surgeon and make the girl's dream come true. Are you kidding? Can you believe this? Plastic surgery allows children to take a cartoon girl through the harrowing procedures, including scalpels and syringes. Oh, that's ridiculous. Silver Games, the gaming unit that made the game, weren't available for comment. I live off, I live off the urban land. This chap here, City Forager, Christian Amy, Amies, Amies, he says he spends just £5 a week on food because half his diet is wild mushrooms and other treats he finds on the streets. Yeah, what happened there? Yeah, Forager. Uh, he yeah, he quit his chef job in March and now runs Urban Forage, using his knowledge to help others with work weekly oh, workshops. Oh, we do forages in the city or outside the city. We forage in parks and around the city centre. As long as you wash your fungi, there should be no risk. Well, it depends what fungi you pick, though, right? You can't pick any old fungi. <laughs> what a funny word fungi is when you say fungi several times. Man admits stealing Judy Garland's Oz slippers after facing his mortality. <laughs> This is a man, uh, a man charged with stealing a pair of ruby slippers has changed his plea to guilty because basically he's reaching the end of his life and he's reflecting on things. These slippers went missing years and years and years ago. But uh, a representative for him uh, said the shoes from the film were stolen in 2005 from the Judy Garland Museum. Uh, and a representative for the chap who stole them said Terry is facing his own mortality. And when people are reaching that point in their life, they cut through the pleasantries 
and talk turkey. Yeah, yeah. By the way, I've got Judy's uh, red shoes. Actually, yeah, sorry about that. Sorry about that. Um, don't be throwing anything out, especially you, Dina, because I think Finley was a Pokemon fan, wasn't he? Yeah. Rescued Pokemon cards were almost thrown into a skip. They were found to be worth twenty thousand pounds. Yeah, no. Yeah, a sealed pack of Pokemon fourth print base booster set purchased for a hundred quid in nineteen ninety nine is now worth twenty thousand. Lexical, get to the back of the class. Better late than never. Let me be the judge of that. Uh, what have we got here? Police probe. Uh, oh, Corin. Even I don't know about anyone else. I find. Now, look, Giles Corrin might be a lovely man, but it's that sort of strange sort of... He looks like he's looking down his nose, even in that photo. Uh, Giles Corrin's foul-mouth threats, foul threats after parking row. Fiery feud critic Giles Corrin is being investigated by police over claims he verbally abused a neighbour in a row over parking outside his North London home. There are some roads in London with, terrace, you know, with terraces on them where the fight for parking is unlike anything you've ever seen. It is a... It is a dog-eat-dog dog out there. It is like driving down some of those roads is like that moment in Star Wars when they're trying to hit the Death Star. Do you know what I mean? When they're... Yeah, so uh, I can kind of not necessarily understand why he got cross, but I can understand why someone got cross with him. Hairdressers, what do you think of this? Hairdressers are going to start charging customers who don't show up. I think it's reasonable, do you? Do you think that's reasonable? Beauty salons and hairdressers are bringing in no-show fees to tackle an epidemic of serial cancellers. Restaurants do it. Holiday accommodation businesses do it. So why shouldn't the beauty industry do it? Eh? What do you think? Reasonable? I think it's reasonable. I think it's reasonable. Um, what have we got here? Oh, man. This, this really upset me. I, you know me. I'm not a big fan of certain types of cyclists. Any cyclists here, I don't mean any offence, but I'm talking about the cyclists who go through red lights, spit on everything, hit pedestrians, and sort of think they look great in Lycra, and they just don't. This chap, I really felt for. So this chap here is a Geordie. Geordie, is that his name? Oh, no, his name's Geordie. Sorry, Geordie Stewart. Geordie Stewart basically cycled around the world in 430 days, right? What, great. What, an, what, a, what a journey. You know, he doesn't look like you're, you're sort of, okay, look, for any cyclists, I apologize. He doesn't look like your normal wanker cyclist, does he? He looks like a nice chap with a nice pair of shorts and a pair of sandals who's done the world. And, he, you know, and he's, had a, he's had a good time. Anyway, he, was, he nearly had his bike stolen at Knife Point in Italy. You know, he's, he's been through everything. He's been through every climate, every environment, everywhere. But the sturdy bicycle... But what does he do? He goes for a drink at the Anglesey Arms pub in Hammersmith after it, and it gets stolen. Can you believe that? Around the world in 430 days, and then it's stolen in seconds. Poor, poor thing. And like he says, this isn't about the money. This is about I have a huge affection for it, a huge sentimental value. I've put that bike through every condition you can imagine, from minus 45 in Kazakhstan, and then some arsehole's gone and stolen it. <laughs> Richard, I'm only winding you up, mate. Um, therapy teams in every school to ease anxiety crisis. Uh, easy to say. I'd be fascinated to see how they do. Uh, NHS therapy will be offered in every school under plans to tackle a surge in mental health problems that's left thousands of children too anxious to attend lessons. Let me tell you one thing that would help with anxiety crises in school. Have a fairer, softer, less stressful exam system. 
and you might you might you might resolve and pre- and don't pretend covid never happened you know and then you might have you might have some sort of response uh Lena just added to that competitive parents. And competitive, competitive parents, Tarquin. Game could be off the menu as Brexit keeps pluckers away. I thought this was funny. I didn't, a shortage of pluckers. There's a shortage of pluckers, professional pluckers. Apparently, well, pluck, yeah, apparently the skill of plucking, you've got to be skilled at plucking. Plucking is a skill. You can't just be a merry plucker. You've got to be a skilled plucker. Um, so game dealers, butchers and chefs say the birds are becoming more expensive to process because of a lack of skilled pluckers. Lucky pluckers. Lucky pluckers. I can't stand game. Always tastes a bit gamey. I don't know if you find that. It always tastes a bit gamey. Uh, Thought Park has to apologise because their fright night is too loud. Um, oh, for God's sake. It's one night a year, isn't it? Uh, glit- oh, look, I like this. Look at this, Nads. Glitter. So Emma Brocks in The um, Guardian says... Glitter is like anthrax, <laughs> something you don't want on your carpet. And I entirely agree. I, I, I want to ban all glitter. Glitter should be banned. Never. It's plucking Never. horrible. It gets everywhere. And as I said before, Keir Starmer, when he accepts his uh, prime ministerialship outside 10 Downing Street, he's going to have some just there. Gonna, one of the flash bulbs is going to catch it. It's going to be the glitter from that guy. However much he scrubs, he's not. Oh, you're not a pleasant. Pl- you're not a pleasant fucker. I mean, a pheasant plucker. <laughs> now, the front of the Daily Star. We all know we want it. We all want to see it. We all. We all want to know what is the Daily Star obsessed about today. Well, the Daily Star has got this balloonatic, sinister clown, terrifying sleepy village goads bemused police. Catch me if you can. Man dressed as Pennywise, terror clown laughs at cops. It's bloody petrifying. Look at him. Look at him. He's pretty good looking wandering around like that. I wonder if he's the same guy. I know who he is. He's the gimp. I reckon he's the gimp, but he's dressed as a freaking clown. Weirdos, catch me if you can taunt. Look, it's even in the telegraph. There he is. Look, petrifying. All I kept thinking was... Is that helium in that balloon or is it on the end of a stick? I was just thinking about this. I was thinking about his prop. Uh, what else have we got? This made me laugh. Man, you're going to love this, Nads, Dina. Man, so scared of women, he's lived alone behind a 15-foot fence for 55 years. But this is, this is the story of all men, even though they still feed him. <laughs> I thought that was hysterical. This 71-year-old virgin... A 71-year-old virgin is so terrified of women, he's built a fence around his house to keep them at bay. He lives in almost total isolation in a bar- behind a barrier in a village in Rwanda. Local women are so concerned that they regularly bring him groceries. <laughs> they basically keep him alive. So if it wasn't for women, this man who's so scared of them would be dead. <laughs> Isn't that classic men? Classic, classic men. Uh, very poignant image here. Battling Bruce has lost his voice. Bruce Willis struggling to speak. Uh, lost his joy of living. Oh, it's just so sad. So sad. Um, oh, he has. Uh, he was diagnosed with frontotemporal dementia in in March last year. Um, and oh, it's just tragic. And there's an image on the left of uh, Ozzy Osbourne. Um, with his wife. They've been married 41 years now. Uh, Shirley Ballas's shocking advice. 
women should carry 50,000 volt tasers. She's had to publicly say, of course, I'm, I'm sorry, this, this isn't wise, this isn't recommended. Um, she said, uh, Strictly Shirley Ballas was forced to apologize after suggesting that women should carry tasers. Um, okay, any swingers out there? Thrust pilot, not trust pilot, swingers moaning about dates on review website. Swinging, swinging couples have taken to review site Trustpilot to moan about the standard of dates on a sex website, uh, complaining that there are too many fat people, uh, too many men, and not enough attractive women. Um, Thrustpilot. I think I think they've kind of honed in on the inherent dilemma with swinging, perhaps. Um, grapes can help you see, uh, unless someone pokes you in the eye with them. Um, and here's a couple of images here. This is rather pretty. Visitors are here for the... This is an art installation during the city of Leeds's Light Night Festival. Um, that's rather rather amazing, isn't it? Uh, and uh, there's a lion who's, who's very angry or very pleased to see you. Uh, what, a, what a photo. Look at that. So, so I don't know why he's saying so sorry, dude, but there we go. Um, and there you have it. They, not if the grapes are in your eye. True. And not if they've got seeds, they're really, really annoying too. Um, and there was just one final thing before we go over to uh, to the Curly Cooks. A couple of things that the doctors, uh, the, the, the things that the doctor didn't order or the thing that the doctor doesn't want you to do. They say, um, do not get cosmetic surgery. Do not use sunbeds. Do not work too hard. Do not underestimate paracetamol, um, which Nadia, Nadia and Dean is always saying this, actually. Um, do not bother with fad diets. Do not buy cough medicines. Uh, no, the, no research shows that they work. Do not drink energy drinks. Do not vape. Um, do not follow TikTok beauty hacks. Do not neglect friendships. Um, do not fail to prioritize sleep. And do not squeeze spots. There's a list of things that doctors would ask you not to do. And there you have it. Okay. So, guys, anti-ULES news reported by Mark. Yeah, we'll do it soon, and it's not good. Okay. Um, so, guys, have a lovely day. Well, I'm going to see you in about five minutes. See you in ten minutes, nine minutes. Uh, the Curly Cooks over there in the kitchen. Uh, it, it's, I think there's a birthday girl almost, almost in the house, almost in the house. So, let's get going. Let's get cracking.